0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com If you got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of Haggai. We're going to be in chapter 1. Um, Haggai chapter 1. Um, we're going to be doing part 2 of verses 12 to thirteen, Part two of 12 to 13. If we can get it on the, st- on the stage, that'd be great. 12 to 13, Haggai chapter one. Now, while Steve is setting that up and you all are turning there, suppose you were exploring an unknown Greenland glacier in the dead of winter. Just as you reached the sheer cliff with a spectacular view, excuse me, of miles of jagged ice and mountains of snow, a terrible storm breaks in. The wind is so strong that fear rises in your heart that it might blow you over the cliff. But in the midst of the storm, you discover a cleft in the ice where you can hide. Here, you feel secure. But even though secure, the awesome might of the storm rages on. And you watch it with a kind of trembling pleasure as it surges out across the distant glaciers. Not everything we call fear vanishes from your heart, only the life-threatening part. There remains the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary of such power. And this is the words of John Piper. And so it is with God. The fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Hope turns fear into a trembling and peaceful wonder. And fear takes everything trivial out of hope and makes it earnest and profound. The terrors of God make the pleasures of his people intense. The fireside fellowship is all the sweeter when the storm is howling outside the cottage. So family, even though it's not life-threatening, somehow fear does not vanish. That's the beauty of this illustration that I loved about it. Even though we know we're not going to lose our life in the storm, while the storm is passing over us, somehow the fear does not vanish. Even though we are saved by the blood of the lamb, even though we are saved as Christians, we are saved, we have life, life more abundant in Christ now, there is still this thing that we understand called the terrors of God. Okay. Now again, I know anytime we start talking about the fear of God, our culture tends to get up in arms. <laughs> but the question is, why is that? Why is that? Why is it that we get up in arms when we talk about the topic of the fear of God? The Bible does does not the Bible say it is it is a terrible thing, right? A terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a terrible thing. The terrors of God. And, and this, this is the, this is a very, very, let's avoid the topic subject. People, see, and the thing that's really interesting to me is that you hear people in our culture today try to define and explain what we mean by this thing called the fear of God. And what's really funny is when you hear people define fear of God, <laughs> the way they define it is everything but the fear of God. And just I've heard some bizarre definitions of this, just bizarre definitions of it where fear actually doesn't even apply. But here's the thing. People try to define the fear of God in a way that's everything but the fear of God. Why do we do this? And the result, because there is no healthy fear, we do not truly repent. Quick reminder, reminder of the Gallup poll that we, we, we looked at, okay? And it's not just Gallup, it's, it's everything. Pew Research, all this stuff is all pointing to the same thing, especially in our culture today. The conclusion that they're bringing is this. There is little difference in ethical behavior between the churched and the unchurched. That should be ringing bells, when we hear those kinds of words, that should concern us, church. We should be concerned that, that the people, when they're polling and they're looking at the church and they're doing research on this stuff, where they're coming to the conclusion that there's little difference in ethical behavior between the church and the unchurched. Meaning that when the world is looking at the church, they don't see any difference or little difference between the church and the world. Now, that is alarming, isn't it? They should be able to look at you and say, whoa, there's something very different about you. There is as much pilferage and dishonesty among the churched as the unchurched. And I'm afraid that applies pretty much across the board. Religion, per se, is not really life-changing in in our culture one of the things that some postmodern researchers will actually say is when they look at the modern church today when they look at us <laughs> there's no change we say that it's supposed to be life changing but there's no change We feel as if we can be Christians and proclaim to the whole world that we are disciples of Christ and still live any way we want to live and going along with the ways of the world. Are we allowed to do that? Because the last time I checked scripture, if you were going to be a disciple of Christ, you must first deny yourself. You remember what the second part is? We're supposed to take up our cross and we're supposed to follow after Jesus. If that's what we're doing, we should not look anything like the world today. Nothing like it. And and here he goes, and he says this. People cite it as important, life change. They cite it as important, for instance, in overcoming depression. I'm sorry, religion. People cite religion as important, for instance, in overcoming depression, but it doesn't have primacy in determining my behavior. That's what people will say today. What's even worse is these are the words that are coming out of the mouths of Christians today. That's why the world's not seeing anything different. We're just not seeing it. Now, when, when I've looked, you know, personally, when I did my studies and research in church history, you see two things that's pretty common. It's a destruction of the church, The world wants to destroy the church. The enemy wants to destroy the church. That's one thing that you see clear in church history. But there's two ways they do it, and they consistently try to do it. Number one, they do it with, it's it's two A's. Number one, they do it with annihilation. What does that mean? That means the world is gonna go after the church, and they're gonna do everything they can to annihilate us, to kill us, to imprison us, to destroy the churches, to destroy, burn Bibles, You know, just destroy the church. To annihilate the church. But what happens is as a lot of times when that happens, the church begins to rise up. And what they find is the more they persecute the church, the more the church spreads. <laughs> and the bigger the church gets. Okay, so we can't do it that way. So this is the way that's more subtle, but what I see in church history is more effective. You destroy the church by trying to annihilate it or Get the church to assimilate. Annihilation, assimilation. Where the world becomes so much, or the church becomes so much like the world that there's just no difference anymore. Wow. It becomes so much like the world that they've lost their saltiness. They've lost their light. They've lost everything that makes them different. So last week, we talked about repentance. We briefly touched upon the relationship between the fear of God and repentance. And what we got to understand and what we got to see today is what an important piece the fear of God is. Puritan Thomas Watson, he writes, as the embankment keeps out the water, so the fear of the Lord keeps out uncleanliness. John Murray writes, the fear of God is the soul of godliness. And what we've seen and we're finding in statistics today is the reality of this thing called false repentance. From what I see, a false repentance of just simply saying sorry for a mistake. So we've gotten to the place as Christians in the church today that when we repent, it's simply just saying, hey, you know what, God, my bad. My bad, my bad. This, this, is, this one's on me, you know? It's like, this one's on me. This is just me, okay? My bad, my bad, I got it, I got it. My bad, no worries, my bad. That's what we think repentance is today. Instead of a deep sorrow for our sins because of the fact that we absolutely transgressed and rebelled against the living God who Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says is absolutely 100% furious with mankind right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the one. That's the living God that that you just ticked off <laughs> that we have ticked off for all this all this time. That yeah, that's the one that you just transgressed and we're going to stand there and go, my bad. Yeah, I know that was a sin, but God, my bad. I bet. I'll do better next time. Our problem today, though, is not repentance. What I think our problem is, is that there is no fear of God anymore. Just not. Just don't, don't fear God. Even Christians who are supposed to fear God will say things like this. I, I, don't, I don't fear God. I, I love him. As if you are allowed to, or that, as if you can love God without fearing Him. Like that's possible for you to love God and not fear Him. It's bizarre. <laughs> because here's the thing there's going to be a huge, eternal wake up call one day. And this is what I feel like our culture is, and I've been saying this about our culture for a long time. It's like the culture in the book of Judges. When we read Judges, we hear one constant thing the people did what was right in their own eyes. And why do we do this? Because there is no fear of God anymore. Maybe maybe some of us didn't get the memo. I know I didn't get the memo. Because when Solomon was done with the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, the conclusion, after all has been heard, is to love God and keep his commandments, right? I didn't get that memo. The last time I checked the Bible, the conclusion after all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. So let's take another look at our passage today. Haggai chapter one, verses 12 to 13. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you says the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Pray that it continues to be the lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, just two things. First thing we're going to look at today is the essence of true repentance and its relation to the fear of God. Second, we're going to see the relationship between true repentance and the wonders of our salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. Our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to walk without a true fear of God in our hearts, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Scripture that will cause us to see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Point number one, repentance and fear. The people feared the Lord. That's clear in the scripture. The people feared the Lord. Not only did they cease trying to build a luxurious lifestyle for themselves, because that's what they were doing, right? They were building a luxurious lifestyle for themselves. They stopped doing that and they began working on the temple of the Lord. They devoted the time, devoted their resources to do what it is that God has called us to do. So again, we see that their repentance was not just a cease disobedience. Okay, I think we, this is what we think it is. We think repentance is simply just ceasing disobedience. But repentance is also stepping Toward our obedience. Remember, I talked about last week the Westminster Catechism. When the Westminster Catechism devi- defines sin, it says sin, excuse me, sin is any want of conformity or transgression of the law of God. What is want of conformity? Want of conformity means not being or doing what God requires. That's how we sin. Not being not doing what God requires, and sin is also transgression or doing what God forbids. So see, sin is a lot more complicated than many of us might have thought. There's two sides to it. It's doing what God forbids and not being and not doing what God requires. Requires. Remember the golden rule of Christ. Christ gives the golden rule in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law. See, so you know it's a sin if you don't. Taught in the law and the prophets. It's not simply a negative. So remember, I set up two things. Number one, the line. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I have a caution line here. So we think repentance is just making sure that we don't cross the line, right? Live life, do what we do, getting close to the line, see how close we are to the line. Or what happens is is that we cross the line and we're living a life that we shouldn't be living. And then all of a sudden we hear the gospel, hear the word, we're convicted in our heart, our conscience, it, it, it begins to nag at us and we start to go, oh no, what am I doing? I'm not supposed to be doing this. You know what, God, I am sorry. I'm not going to do this anymore. That's the line. I'm not crossing that line anymore. And we think we're good. But what we see here is it's not just a negative, it's also a positive. We are failing to follow what is the essence of what is taught in the law and the prophets if we are failing to do what we need to do for others. Which is climbing the ladder. So we think it's just, don't cross the line, and we're good. No, no, no. Not only do we not cross the line, we also got to climb the ladder. Cross the line. Climb the ladder. That's the essence of repentance. That's what we see in Haggai. Haggai, they stopped with their luxurious living. They stopped trying to build their luxurious houses. They stopped all this consumption of what they're doing to build this better lifestyle. And if they just stopped and just kind of stood around and talked and just enjoyed their what they had, hey, you want to come over for the football game today? Yeah, let's just do that. Let's hang out and all this stuff. Yeah, this, this isn't true repentance what they did was they stopped trying to build their lifestyle and they started to build the temple of God. Still got to do. We still got to do, right? Not only did they cease trying to build a luxurious lifestyle for themselves, they began working on the temple of the Lord. They devoted the time, the resources to do what it is that God has called us to do. So again, it's not just a negative, it's a positive. We are failing Christ's golden rule if we do not do for others. So it's not just that we keep ourselves from crossing the line, we gotta climb the ladder. It's not just we gotta go through the day and I gotta I wake up in the morning and my goal is I just gotta hold it together. I just, we wake up in the morning and we go through the day and we just like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. God, Holy Spirit, just keep me from having any kind of incident. This is what I'm referring to and I'm calling calling the Hulk sanctification. (laughs) This is Hulk repentance. Because the goal of the incredible Hulk was what? Just don't have an incident. Just uh, his whole life when he was going, he woke up when he had a victorious day was when he didn't turn into the Hulk. As long as we can keep the Hulk at bay. As long as we can keep myself from destroying anything, ruining anything, saying something bad, hurting somebody's feeling, destroying a family, destroying my friendships, destroying my relationships, destroying my job environment, destroying my atmosphere, ruining my family. As long as I can keep myself from doing that, man, what a good Christian I am. The goal of this journey, don't break anything. Don't mess anything up. This is our idea of repentance when that's not what God has called us to be. He didn't call us to just not have an incident. I mean, that's part of it, yeah. He doesn't want you to turn into the Hulk, yeah. God wants you to not turn into the Hulk, but he also wants you to be Captain America, Yeah, good. You didn't destroy anything. But, but did you bring something up? Did you build something? Did we help somebody? Did we give of ourselves and our resources today? Did we help fix something? Sure, we didn't discourage anyone today, but did you encourage someone today? Did we tell someone about Jesus? Did we preach the gospel today? Did we let our light shine? Did we stand for the truth? It's not just turning from this. It's also doing what it is that we need to do. This is what God has called us to. Christ said, do for others. If you didn't do for others, you failed that day. But, but 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 God, I didn't I didn't do anything bad to him. Great. Did you do anything good for someone? Hmm, not so much. This is this is how we operate today, and this is why this is why everything is getting distorted. <laughs> in our culture, especially in Christianity Day, where there's a lot of distortion that's coming. We're forgetting the essence of what it is to be a Christian today. Last night, I, I posted a, a, a video on a TikTok that while I was sleeping just went, and people are reacting to it. And I, I essentially said, you know, do you fear God? That's the question. Do you fear God? And I said, hey, let me give you a a way. How how are you answering this question? Okay, just ask yourself this question. Are you more concerned with getting into heaven or more concerned about not going to hell? Now, this is what what boggled my mind, okay? Number one, people don't fear hell anymore. (laughs) They don't they just there's no fear at all i mean the, the the blasphemous things that you see what people say but the thing that's funny is the christian that goes neither i just love god i'm like where do you, where does that come from where does that's bizarre where does that come from neither I, i'm not concerned with either See, the reason why I ask that question is because when we're so concerned about making it to heaven, then all we're doing in life is making sure that we do enough to make sure that the doorman knows who we are. That's how I'm living my life. I'm living my life any way I want to, but I'm just making sure that I'm giving enough to the doorman. So when I die and and the doorman's standing there for me to go to heaven, I'm just like, what's up? What's up? Yeah, I remember you. You remember me? Yeah, all right, man. Hook me up. Yep, yep. Takes the thing away. (laughs) Like getting into a club, right? (laughs) If our goal is concerned about getting into heaven, is when you ask questions like Shane, what's the minimum I need to do in order to get into heaven? What what do I need to do to make sure I, I get into heaven? See, there's no fear that there's a hell. You're just afraid that you're going to miss out on something cool. That's our goal in life. I just don't want to miss out. That Christianity and going to heaven, that's my retirement policy. You know, because I've learned over the years that if you, you, know, you keep giving some money to the retirement policy, it begins to grow and the next thing you know, you're rich. Just keep giving Keep giving the doorman, and the next thing I know, boom, I die, and here's my retirement. When we're concerned about heaven, and we're concerned that's, that's what we're could, just getting in, this is the, the, the reality, this is the life that we lead, just doing everything we can to just make sure that we live a life good enough to make sure that the doorman knows me, we slap hands, and he lets me in. But was that the posture of the Apostle Paul? when he realized what life was like and he realized the, the, the position of God and realized the state of man. What was Paul doing? Did I need to make sure? I got to figure out a way to make sure that the doorman knows my name? No, Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? do we not realize that the living God is furious with mankind and the wrath of God and judgment is coming, that Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead? And we sit back there and be like, hey, I neither. I just love Jesus. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. (laughs) We want to love God. We love God. That's, that's a reality. But the mistake that we're making in our culture today is we think that it's, we're able to love God without fearing him. And that is going to be catastrophic. And that is the reason why there isn't true repentance today. How many times do we find that we just don't climb the ladder? We do all that we can do to keep ourselves from being selfish, but not enough to be selfless. I was talking to Janine today as we were, we were working. You know, it's really funny. It's the bizarre thing that you see. And you know what? Keep the camera on. That, The the bizarre life coaching stuff that you're hearing from the pulpits today. That it's possible for you to be self centered as long as you're not selfish. No, no, no. I mean, I know it's funny. Listen carefully to what they're saying, listen carefully to the message that they're communicating. They're absolutely telling you to be self centered. That's all these things are. That's all it is, is, you know, if you do this, you. If you and you, and all you got to do is this, and it'll benefit you and everything, it's so self-centered. But as long as you're not selfish, you're okay. When the Bible says that we are to consider others better than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Shane, I'm doing all I'm doing all that I can in my power to live at peace with everyone. I'm not causing any problems. I haven't crossed this line. I haven't crossed it. I haven't. I'm not being selfish. But my question is this: Is this is it, is it okay? Connie's not here, so I can't really ask permission, but. I don't know. Is that all right? I got to take this off. I'm really hot. Is it okay? All right, thanks. You know, I take that off and Connie's giving me this look, but, you know, she not there, so... I'm going to take off my shoes too, okay? Um. (laughs) I'm not being selfish. I'm not crossing that line. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. But my question is, are you considering others as better than yourself? Are you sharing with others? Are we making sacrifices for others today? Are we climbing the ladder? Hmm. I think many of us are not climbing the ladder because we don't fear God. We don't climb the ladder because we don't fear. Okay, Shane, I heard you. Okay, I, I just, I don't feel good. And, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat encouraged today. So it's going to take me a little bit of time to get things together. Right here, right here. It's going to, a little bit of time to get things together. So I'm going to have some fun in life right now. So, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have some fun in life right now. And I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna have some fun, live my life, have some fun. Oh man, the ladder's back. But you know what? I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna have some fun. All right, I'm going to enjoy the good things in life. I, I'm going to go out and I'm going to party with my friends. I'm not going to do anything bad. I'm just going to go out and party. And then after time goes on, spending time with people. You know, they're, they're good people. They lust after the things of the world, but they're, but they're good people. And so I'm going to do that. So we're out and now they're beginning to rub off on me. They're beginning to rub off of me. Now I'm starting to dabble with illegal drugs and now I'm starting to consume alcohol to the point of drunkenness and I hang hang out with other women. I'm just looking, not touching, just looking, not touching, just looking, right? As if that's better. (laughs) Jesus says if you look lustfully upon a woman, you've committed what? Adultery. Oh, all right. So, So then I'm having a good time, not having an affair. I'm not, you know, and I'm just, I'm doing all these things that I want. And then I went to Central Baptist Church one Sunday and I heard this preacher talk about sin and talked about the gospel. You know what? I got to repent. I'm so sorry, God, for doing the things that I've done. I don't want to do that anymore. I shouldn't have let those people rub off on me. I am so sorry, Lord. And then I'm going to go to church now. And then I go to church and then all I hear is the preacher saying, well, what about my kingdom? What about bearing one another's burdens? What about contributing to the needs of the saints? What about seeking to show hospitality? What about showing brotherly kindness? Let me think about this. We don't climb the ladder because we're not afraid. Okay, same thing, guys. Well, I'm going to be a better person today. I'm going to work at hard as being a better person. You know, that ladder scares me, but you know what? I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going, to, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better this time. Same thing, same thing. I'm going to, I'm going to work on my personal life. I'm going to work on my personal goals then maybe I'll be able to help the kingdom if I get maybe a little bit of success. So we work and we work and we work trying to better our lives, making sure that I'm able to pay my bills. Shane, I gotta pay my bills, right? I gotta live, right? So I need to be successful. And then when I'm successful, then I'll help God. Then I'll do the work of the ministry. Then I'll do what I need to do. And so we start to work and we work our career. We start to do the things that we do. and now we're not spending time with our family. Now we're compromising values and we're doing things and we're we're doing things to get that promotion. Now church and, and family is set aside so we can spend more time doing what we need to do. And now we've spiritually abandoned our family. We've abandoned our wives, our husbands. We're not giving to the church anymore so that we can invest more money in our stock tips that we get from people at work. We're cussing more now. We're getting angry fast. We're drinking again. We are rude and insensitive especially to people on I-25 and we're always stressed out and too busy for everything in life. And then I'm going to come to church. I'm going to hear the preacher talk about sin in the gospel. I'm going to, oh my gosh, I have fallen. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Lord, I'm so sorry. And we repent. I'm never going to cross that line again. Not going to do it. I'm not crossing the line. But you need to sell your possessions and give to the needy. We got to rescue the weak and the needy. We're supposed to deliver the weak from the hand of the wicked. We're supposed to love each other as Christ has loved us. You know what? We'll get to that later. One more time, guys. I'll, I'll get to that later. We're going to get to that later. Up here, same place. But, but, I'll get to it. I'll get to it when I get the chance. I'll get to it. I know it's there. I'll get to it when I get the chance. Because of what I, I heard and what I understand of God, I, I'm going to do better. I'm going to stay away from the crossing that line. No more. I'm not doing this anymore. This is not happening anymore. I've learned my lesson. I'm not doing this anymore. I've learned my lesson. I'm not going out with my friends anymore. I'm not going to spend money on foolish things anymore. I'm not going to watch crazy shows on TV anymore. In fact, I'll just get rid of the TV. I'm going to get rid of social media. I'm going to sell my Xbox and my PlayStation. Ooh. Yeah, for some of us, that's like taking off a hand. But God is saying, but I need you, Shane, to climb the ladder. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I'll climb the ladder. But, you know, you, but Shane, what about studying? What about meditating on the word of God? What about prayer? What about fasting? What about instruction and sound doctrine? What about thinking on what is true and what is noble? What about loving God and loving your neighbor? Why won't you climb the ladder today? Why don't you just climb the ladder? We don't climb the ladder today because we don't fear God. I'll get to it when I get a chance. Because... It's respect and it's hope for something better that keeps us from crossing the line. The hope for something better, that's the thing that keeps us from crossing the line. (laughs) But it's the fear of God that will get us to climb the ladder. If you want somebody to climb the ladder, where's my wife? I don't see her. Is she here? If you want somebody to climb the ladder, it's fear. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on now. Why are you looking at me like that? Don't look at me like that. Wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's fear. Do you see that? It's fear. I'm hoping that this just is ingrained in your brain now. This is why we don't climb the ladder, is because we're not afraid. We're not afraid, but when we are... (laughs) We'll climb that ladder fast now, won't we? Wow. All right, good. Hey, everyone, thank Janine. Give Janine a hand for being scary. You guys, she's all dressed up. You guys want to see a combo? Should she throw a combo? All right, combo. Here we go. One, two, three, body. Oh, yeah. Trust me, I am afraid of that. <laughs> I'm going to make a mistake one day and I'm going to be out cold. I'm going to be like, what, what will happen? What just happened? Fear, family, fear, fear. Fear when people responded and there was true fear of the Lord the word of God declares and the people feared the Lord Matthew Henry he writes note a holy fear of God will have a great influence upon our obedience to him serve the Lord with fear if we fear him not we shall not serve him Flat out, if you don't fear God, you're not going to serve him. You are not going to climb the ladder. Sure, you're not going to cross the line. But the reason why we're not doing this is because we're afraid we're going to miss out on stuff that happens in the future. But when fear of God is in our lives, then we're not concerned about that. We're concerned about the repercussions that's going to happen. So it's not a matter of just doing, not doing that, but I want to do this. Because yes, my God saved me. Jesus saved me. Jesus loved me. I don't have to fear. But when that starts to happen and judgment comes, you better believe I'm going to be clinging to this ladder. Because it's not enough to be known or to know Christ. We also need to be known by Christ famous quote from John Calvin nothing is more powerful to to overcome temptation than the fear of God Dr. Baldwin, she writes, this fear is in contrast to the careless indifference which had faced the pre-exilic prophets. When God has spoken, apathy is evidence of practical atheism. They feared in the sense that they had been startled wide awake by the voice of God. Family, that's what I'm praying for today, that we will be startled wide awake by God today. He will wake us up. Sure, we got this, the woke thing and we got all this stuff that's happening and all this stuff that's going on. I'm gonna tell you something right now. There's nothing that any political empire or nation or any cultural special interest group is gonna be able to shake us like God will shake us up when holy fear descends upon our hearts. Our difficulty today in modern evangelicalism is that we fear missing out. We fear not getting enough. We fear not getting as much as we can in heaven. We fear not getting into heaven. Again, Shane, I just want to know all of them. Just tell me the minimum of what I got to do to make it into heaven. Shane, I just don't want to miss out on heaven. What do I need to do to make sure I get there? We're not concerned at all about the other results. Again, if you guys want just go look at look at the TikTok I posted last night and look at the responses. People are not afraid of God. People are not afraid of hell. They're not afraid of punishment. They're not afraid of judgment. These statements are never in the sense of what it is that is very very real. There is no fear of the judgment of God that's coming. And God, again, is furious with us. The Bible says that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, the place of eternal darkness. It is the place where you will face the wrath and judgment of God. Again, do we realize who we're messing with today? Man, I just, it, it shu- I, I shudder inside when I read some of the comments and what people will say in regard to God today. You know, even, even back when I was young, I want to say maybe when I was in elementary school, there was a guy that I used to hang out with. We, we're not, we weren't church going when I was really young. None of my friends were really church going, none, none of that kind of stuff. But he liked to tag. <laughs> You know, he liked to tag things. He always had spray paint, and he always had these paint markers and stuff like that, and go up to walls, and, you know, he'd write his name, his tag name, his gangster name, whatever. He would like to tag stuff. And we'd be walking, and, you know, go over to a fence, and he'd tag the fence. And, you know, just be walking, and you know, see a building of a, a grocery store, and he tagged the outside the wall. We'd do all this stuff. But here was the thing that was really funny. Back in the day, I want to say this is like, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And we come over to a church, bust out, and he'd go, Oh no. Well, why not? Well, I'm not tagging a church. Are you crazy? And he kept walking. Even back then, with people who don't go to church and people who didn't believe, they didn't mess with God. You remember those days? It's so, it's just like it's non existent today anymore. There's just no fear. There's just no fear. I, I just I couldn't believe just how many incidents of theft we've had at churches over the years. When I was in Hawaii, my church in Hawaii, we got robbed like three or four times. People are robbing churches. There's just no fear of God anymore, no fear of punishment. Do we realize who it is that we are messing with today? We don't do what he wants us to do. We don't give what he wants us to give. We don't live how we're supposed to live, how he wants us to be. And he doesn't receive his glory. Are we supposed to be afraid if we live like this? Yes! Yes! But, but Shane, but Shane, I mean, man, this is hard, dude. This is hard. You don't understand. I've been a Christian for a really long time. I've done this, 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 and all this stuff, and all the good works and all these things that I have done, all, all these things, you know, I just believe that I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I have faith. I have repentance. Okay, I'm not arguing with you. Great. But the Bible also tells you to examine yourself to make sure. I'm not questioning, I'm just saying, might be a good idea to examine yourself to make sure. Because in our culture today, we don't want to fear God. But the one, another big issue is we are so (laughs) self-deluded. We can convince ourselves of anything. We can lie to ourselves and actually get ourselves to believe the lie. Are we supposed to be afraid? Yes. Matthew 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, verse 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body. It's real, family. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. That's the whole story. Here's now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 27 Proverbs 14:27 Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Psalm 25:14 The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. How can you be a friend of God if you don't fear him? He teaches them his covenant 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17 respect everyone and love the family of believers fear god and respect the king Acts chapter nine verse thirty one. Acts nine thirty one. The church had then peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. It also grew in numbers. Second Corinthians chapter five 11, 2 Corinthians five eleven. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. I don't know which one is today, I didn't ask. <laughs> Forgot. Oh, but shame. Fear of God, that's an old testament thing, isn't it? First Peter, Acts, Second Corinthians. Matthew, Hmm. and I hope it's known also to your conscience. See, that's the thing, family, today. We got to be honest with ourselves. This is what I said. This is the first step of us actually being able to get better. You know, it's it's. It's like, yes, it's like I tell people, yes, I know, I know that you've done a lot of things and I know that you've done, done a lot of things wrong. I know that you've neglected a lot of things. But man, if you continue to think that you are okay and just keep on doing the things and you want me to, to stand by you with that, I can't do that. It's better for you to just be honest. Yes, I have fallen. Yes, I have failed. Yes, I have done these things. So that way, at least we're done with the delusion. But Shane, you don't understand. I've done righteous things for God. Yeah, what does the Bible say about our righteous deeds? It's as filthy rags. How is our conscience today? How much... How much have we crossed the line? How many of us are just making sure we don't cross the line and ignoring the ladder? How many of us are looking at the ladder going, I know, but not right now. I just can't right now. I just can't right now. One day, one day I'm going to climb that ladder. Yeah, I know many people that have told me one day. Many a Christians all over the years that told me one day, they still ain't doing it. Still ain't doing it. <laughs> There's a young man who I discipled uh, when he was really young at my church in Hawaii. Young man, and I was disciple him, bringing him up and all this stuff, and it was always something, always an excuse. It's just like, yeah, I know I need to really move myself into doing things for the kingdom. Super gifted, super talented, could do so much for God. But you know what? You know, I, I can't do, do some time here, Shane, because it's baseball season. He's a good baseball player. So I got to put God's stuff on hold so I can concentrate on baseball right now. And then after baseball season was over, then it was basketball season. And then after basketball season, it was football season. And then, you know, he's working on, you know, his band that he's in. And he needs to learn how to play the bass guitar and all that stuff. And he needed to be better with all this. And just every single time he was at the ladder, just nothing but excuses. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Family, to this very day, what is this now? Uh, like, I think he was, my, that was my first year, so that had been eight years. It's almost six. Man, do you believe January 20, is that now? No, 25th, 27th, 27th, six years. Ooh, man, I'm getting old right before your eyes. So what's six plus eight? My mind's not working, huh? 14? 14, Fourteen. My mind's not working today. It's it's not like I could have figured it out if my mind was working. I'm a bachelor of arts. (laughs) I I had to take one math class. Yeah, and I don't remember anything. (laughs) Family, 14 years now. Nothing. Are you ever going to climb the ladder? I will. And to this very day, you know what he keeps telling me? I will. Now he's married, now he's got kids. And I got to take care of my wife. I got to pay my bills. My wife, I promised my wife that we would live in a bigger house and I got to make sure that we do that. And my kids are this and my kids got to do this. And now I can't do things at the ministry because I got to take my daughter to soccer and then I got to take my, my son to gymnastics. Wait, flip that. And then... Um, you know, and then like swimming and then all this stuff and I got to cart them around and I pretty much do that. So I wake up, I go to work, I take my kids to where they need to go. By the time I get home, I can't read my Bible because I'm just too tired. So what's happening here? You know what, Shane? I know, I know I'm not doing what God wants me to do, but you know what? I will. I will. I will. Don't be deceived today, family. Faith without works is dead. Repentance without fruit didn't happen. And Jesus is coming back to judge the quick and the dead. And it's real and it's true. And we have seen in the scriptures that God does not declare empty threats When he says judgment is coming, it means judgment is coming and it will be frightening. Don't believe me? Just read a little bit of the book of Revelation. But Shane, can we be saved from this? Absolutely we can. I am just as confident in saying we can be saved from this, as I am that judgment is coming. I'm confident judgment is coming, but I'm also confident in saying that we can be saved from this because Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He Himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. He became sin, who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh yeah. And it doesn't stop there. The promises continue. Did you know all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, yes, you will be saved. All of this is written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. Confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man... there's compassion, there's love, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, long suffering with our God. But let's not forget that he is God. (laughs) Yes, Jesus is my brother. Jesus is my brother. He is. I am a co-heir with Christ. But when we get to heaven and the My brother is standing there before me. I also recognize, yes, he's my brother, but I also recognize that my brother is the king of kings and the Lord of lords with fire in his eyes and light so bright that we don't even need the sun anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm falling to my knees and singing glory. Holy, holy, holy. And because of our Lord's long suffering, because of his mercy, I believe that's the moment where he picks us up and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Takes out the crown and puts it on your head, and we enter into the kingdom. But he's so awesome and he's so amazing. It's not going to stop there, is it? With the crown on our head as we walk into the kingdom of heaven, we're going to realize something else. That even that crown on your head is not worthy of Him. And we will take it off. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's our brother, but he's also the Alpha and Omega, our living God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.